you pursuing a natural lifestyle for yourself and your family? Are you concerned about the standard American diet and options available for healthcare? Are you curious about herbs for health or already practice home herbalism? You've come to the right place. My mom, Naomi Kilbrick, is a Christian clinical herbalist and owner of Lower Chi Wellness. She teaches simple ways to live in a more healthy way and to work with plants to promote and restore health. Welcome to the Family Herbalism Podcast. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast. So many of you know that I have been working on becoming registered with the American Herbalist Guild as an herbalist. This is something that I've been talking about in my emails. I have mentioned it on occasion in the podcast and I have talked about it with clients. And so this has been coming up in conversations, especially recently as I've been working on gathering the last pieces of information uh, that I need to qualify as a registered herbalist with the Herbalist Guild. And I also had an interesting conversation with a client recently about what it takes to become a clinical herbalist and what that means because there are a lot of different names that herbalists go by and a lot of different ways that they practice. And so there is some confusion about what is an herbalist and what are some of the ways that they practice and how do you come by these names and things. So today I wanted to break down what is herbalism, what are ways that people practice herbalism, and so this is what we're going to get into today. Today I'm going to share with you the three primary ways that people work as herbalists as well as other options for working with herbs. Today, I'm also gonna share with you about the different philosophies, branches of herbalism, and assessment processes that make each person who practices herbalism unique, even within their own branch of practice. I'm also gonna share about options and tips for getting an education in herbalism. I'm gonna share about the legal status of herbalism in the United States. I'll also talk about what the American Herbalist Guild is and what their registration process is all about, and the general philosophy that sets herbalism apart from modern medicine. These are a lot of the different common things that come up in these conversations, and so I thought that they would be, it would be helpful to just put it all into one place and be able to explain this to you who maybe coming at this from a variety of different perspectives. Some of you who are listening I know are people who practice herbalism at home, people who are curious about how to apply natural health to their families. I also have some listeners that are interested in helping other people through herbalism. And so I know there's a wide variety of listeners here, and I just wanted to create a place, a a podcast that would help everyone to sort of come together and get um, a perspective of what this is all about. So let's start with the three primary ways that people work as herbalists. Now, you guys know that I refer to myself as a clinical herbalist. What does that mean? Well, this is the the branch of herbalism that is seen as being the most, quote, professional as far as working with the public. They might also be called medical herbalists. 
In some countries, they are referred to as phytotherapists, but that is not a popular term that is used in the U.S. today. Clinical herbalists have usually extensive training with a heavy focus on evidence-based science, although they will also include folk traditions or other types of herbalism into their practice. It's sort of a combination of the anatomy and physiology, uh, disease traits, as well as the more common traditional approaches and philosophies of herbalism. They often work in a one-on-one setting with people and they often have an office space. Sometimes they do uh, online meetings with people through you know, Zoom and other services like that. But they usually do a health intake process where they get to know a person and who they are, what's, you know, what's going on in their story. They'll do an assessment process and then they give personalized advice that would of course include herbs, but often includes other things as well, like nutrition, for example. So that's a clinical herbalist. That's one branch of practicing herbalism. Another branch is community herbalist. And this person might also be called a village healer or just a plain herbalist, or in some traditions they have, they go by other names. Um, Some of these people will get formal training, but oftentimes they are incorporating um, traditions that are taught by others that they know, maybe in their families. They usually work with the public in some way, but it may not be to the extent of a clinical herbalist where they are taking you know, health information from the person and then giving them personal advice. Many of them are working in herb shops or community gardens or other community programs where they can teach people. These are often educators and they do often rely heavily on local traditions or cultural traditions for that area. And then you have the home herbalist. The home herbalist would have skills that have been either formally taught, self-taught, or passed down from parents, grandparents, or friends, and they're often passed on to others in the same way, but they practice herbalism for themselves and loved ones and incorporate it into their lifestyle. So they're really not about um, expanding their influence and helping a wide range of people. They're really looking closer to home and how they can help their own family and, and loved ones. So we have the clinical herbalist, the community herbalist, and the home herbalist. And you can see it sort of is like um, a circle of influence and how it expands with the more people that you reach. So you start with the home herbalist and all herbalists who are helping other people should be home herbalists as well. That's how I started. You start as a home herbalist helping yourself and your loved ones and then you expand your circle. And sometimes that happens naturally. That's sort of what happened for me and my story. I started out as a home herbalist and then grew to begin helping other people in my community, in my circle of influence. And then I expanded into clinical herbalism where now I help people that I've never met before. Um, Some people just jump right into that where they, maybe they grew up as um, in a family where herbs and nutrition and things were important and then they decided to go to school and become a clinical herbalist and open a practice right away. So there's different approaches and stories involved 
but that's sort of the, those are the primary ways that people will work with herbs and the titles that are given to them. But there are other ways to practice herbalism and there are different titles that people give themselves uh, different fields of interest. So for example, I work with herbalists that I refer to as herbalists who really just enjoy growing the herbs, wild crafting or wild harvesting the herbs, making formulations based on their experience and knowledge. So making recipes, making products. Um, I know other people who are primarily educators or writers or researchers. You have people that are all about seed saving and helping to expand access to herbs around the country. And then you have other holistic practitioners that use herbs in their practice, but they're not just herbalists. They do other things. So like acupuncturists, um, aromatherapists, massage therapists, then you have naturopathic doctors, osteopathic doctors, nurse practitioners, you know, and even in some places, especially in cities, we're seeing a growing number of standard medical doctors who are providing or talking about herbal remedies that can be helpful for various seasons of life or situations. So it can be applied in many different ways and and people who are interested in herbs will come to find their little niche and figure out how they want to apply it to themselves. Um, But those are some of the, you know, the main ways that, that people will practice herbalism. However, then you'll find that there are actually a lot of different ways to practice within those titles. So there are lots of different philosophies that people can have and everyone's going to have their own sort of flavor of herbalism. So you have traditional Chinese medicine, you have Ayurveda, you have Native American medicine, you have Western herbalism, which was sort of passed on from European traditions. And then you have, you know, African traditions and you have, um, different uh, traditions where you've got mixes of different philosophies that are mixed together. And you can see common traits in each of these and theories and ideas that they have in common, but they all sort of have their own perspective and language that is used to explain health and favorite herbs, of course, to work with. And so one clinical herbalist is going to practice completely different from the next clinical herbalist, and that's okay. And then within each uh, branch or method of practicing, you also have different um, ways of applying this knowledge and different styles of remedies that they prefer to work with. So this this is an area where it gets a little bit more specific and applicable to how they practice and you can see it more obviously. You know, so for example, you have someone who works with essential oils and they work primarily with essential oils. You're gonna know that's what they prefer working with. You might have an herbalist who works primarily with homeopathic plants and remedies. Others that work primarily with flower essences And then you have others that teach primarily how to work with herbs in a nutritional sense and how to cook with them. And you've got others that work with teas and tinctures and things. So 
there are actually whole systems that are designed to help people practice within each of these. And then you have some that are more eclectic and like to combine uh, different remedies based on their experiences of what has worked and what hasn't worked for them. And so that's another way that there can be some variety within how a person practices. And finally, the, one of the major differences between how different herbalists practice, especially if they're working with people, so this is more of the community herbalist and the clinical herbalist, is how they assess that person's health. And so this is how they gather information to help them decide what type of remedy would be best suited to them and whether that is a certain style of remedy like you know, a homeopathic remedy or a tea, for example, uh, or which specific herb or herb blend would be most beneficial to them. So some ways of gathering information that we're familiar with would include lab results, blood pressure, uh, names of diseases. So if you've been diagnosed with something, another practitioner will, will automatically look at what can we do about this particular disease. Some people rely on symptomology, which is where you make a list of symptoms and you go by just what those symptoms are that are being stated. And then you have others that look for tissue state signs, which is something that I've spent a lot of time talking about here, um, or emotional and spiritual imbalances as the cause for diseases. And some ways that people, these herbalists might gather this information include looking at body language and how a person is sitting or standing or moving, how they converse, where their eyes go. They might also look at their tongue or their skin condition. They might use um, iridology. Um, I believe that's the name of the looking at the eyes and the assessment through the eyes, fingernail assessments, um, checking their pulse. And so there's lots of ways to gather information to help them choose the right remedy for a person. And each herbalist has different training and experience, knowledge, and comfort level around different assessment processes. So this will be unique depending on the herbalist that you either see for yourself or become depending on what you're looking for. All right, so these are the different branches, but how do we get there? And that was one of the questions that was asked to me is, how do you become a clinical herbalist? Who calls you a clinical herbalist? What does that look like? So there's actually a lot of different ways that you can become an herbalist. And we did talk about how, especially with the home herbalists, a lot of that um, experience is passed down from one generation to the next. And that was the traditional method of learning. Some cultures taught that there was a spiritual component, so you might be given a vision or a dream that would imply uh, that you were now a healer and needed to pursue this. There's, you know, there's a lots of, lots of different uh, traditional methods that are, that are associated with that, but in today's world, we have a lot of other options as well. For one, there are some colleges, some universities that do have certificate programs or courses you can take to add onto your education and some that actually provide uh, bachelor degrees or even up through master's degrees 
that have a focus on botany and clinical herbalism and how to apply that in the health sciences. Three examples are the American College of Healthcare Services, the Everglades University, and Vassar University. Then there's also private schools, and private schools sometimes work on site, sometimes through distance learning, or sometimes a combination, very similar to how a lot of colleges are working these days. Heart of Herbs Herbal School, Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism School, David Winston Center for Herbal Studies, the Herbal Academy. These are some great examples of private schools that offer a variety of courses for people who maybe just want to get an introduction course all the way to people who want to open an herb shop or work with people one-on-one. -on -one. And so they have a variety of options for study there. If you want to look into private schools, you can go to the uh, American Herbalist Guild website and they have an extensive list of options of schools all around the country with some great description information to get you started on finding a place that would be a good fit for you. Another option is apprenticeships. So again, you can go to the AHG website for a list of registered herbalists that offer apprenticeships, but you can also find these locally and they do not have to be registered with the American Herbalist Guild in order to offer apprenticeships. So an apprenticeship is sort of like how you would get information from uh, an older generation, except maybe you don't know that person, you didn't know that person before, or you, know, you hire them um, to, to teach you, to be your mentor. It can be all kinds of different relationships, but basically it's just someone that you're learning from um, to in varying degrees. You know, I have, I have people right now who are, you know, learning from me what I have to offer and I have learned from others, not necessarily in a professional organized apprenticeship, but something, a place where I have learned from others. And so this is an opportunity for some people who really like to learn hands-on and really want to just jump in. And it's also a great step for, for those who have already gotten some education and want to begin applying it in a safe place before they take on clients or open their own shop. And then finally, we have self-education. So self-education is where a person absorbs information and learns from a wide variety of places, basically wherever they can get that education before they begin practicing or really um, sharing in a professional way. So this can include taking some long distance classes or local classes, again, at a college, at a private school, through you know different programs that are available online, um, and sometimes there are there are herb shops that are located in various places. A lot of cities have herb shops where they also offer classes on how to blend teas, for example, or how to identify plants. You can also take an herb walk with an herbalist. A lot of herbalists do offer herb walks and teach people how to work with the plants that are growing in their area. Books are of course a great way to learn webinars, podcasts, and then we can't forget actually experimenting and trying the process of growing, foraging, formulating, medicine making, and testing or proving the herbs in your own life and for your own family. And that is absolutely necessary no matter what type of education you get. Working with the plants is, is a really important part of being an herbalist. 
I do want to say that it's really important to be careful of programs that proclaim that they certify people and give them titles like master herbalist when these programs are obviously lacking in professionalism. There is no body that regulates or approves herbalist schools, so you have to do your research. One online school that I found yesterday offers a master herbalist course that includes nine pre-recorded modules, which in my opinion were and are woefully lacking in necessary material. They didn't even have a section on men's health. This course costs just $99 and only required, this, this is terrible, it only required a passing grade of 55%. That's embarrassing. I don't care if you plan to practice herbalism in your home exclusively, you should not waste your money on courses like that. And so because there is no organized body that requires certain titles or gives out certain titles, anyone can create a program and, and tell you that at the end of this course, you will be a master herbalist be really, really careful about where you get your education from and do your research to make sure that it's actually a legit group that actually cares about the outcome of its students. In contrast to this, as an example, you have the Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism School in Massachusetts that offers a clinical herbalist program that takes two to three years to complete, includes frequent direct communication with real teachers, it offers live classes, meetings with other students, and work in their clinic is required to complete the program. And this program is $3,500. And you can see the contrast, not just in the time and in the money involved, but if you look at the classes and what's included in each section, in each class, you can see that there is a huge difference between the quality of these two programs. They're, they're not even on the same spectrum, really. So it only takes a little bit of research to see what is legit and what is not. And again, if you want some good guidelines, the American Herbalist Guild does have a list of education opportunities that are, that are going to be good ones to choose from. So people choose the path they want to go, how they want to work within herbalism. They decide uh, what form of education makes the most sense for themselves and their families. There is no licensing of herbalists in the United States. Individual states may have their own laws regarding the practice of natural health services, but this means that you're going to have to look at your own state to find out what is permitted and what is not and make sure that any education and procedures you follow for creating a business, if that's what you do, follows those standards in, in your state. But there is no licensing, and, and that actually is okay um, because it, it does, the nature of herbalism is such that it inspires independence and education and um, the, the right of people to choose for themselves what medicine that they work with, what remedies they work with. And it's just, if, it's very similar to home birth. The, the um, various states have gone through the same process with professional midwifery and whether or not there should be licensing or not. And there's pros and cons. Um, you know, having a group organized that, that oversees the body of professionals is important, but whether the government is the right group to do that or not is up for debate. 
So I will just leave that leave that up for another discussion entirely outside of this podcast. Uh, but in the end, it comes down to there's no licensing, which means that there is no group demanding what is legal or not in what you call yourself. So that's where it comes back to really defining yourself according to uh, how you practice and work with people or not and what your job description is. But in Maine, where I live and practice, if you're going to package and sell herbs, it's required that you have a licensed kitchen and that you do collect sales tax for the state. If you're going to offer education or practice in a clinical setting, you're expected to set up a legal business and report your finances, but there is no licensing required. And in fact, we actually have a law that protects the right of people to work with an herbalist and for herbalists to practice so long as they don't diagnose, promise a cure, or do any testing that involves breaking the skin or inserting anything into the body as these would be considered practicing medicine. Generally speaking, however, herbalists don't go through their education process or open their doors to practice medicine um, because they want to practice medicine. Um, they, they want to practice out of a different philosophy. Most herbalists believe that the human body is designed to heal itself. And different people will call it different things, but the general idea is that there is a life force within us. Um, it's the thing that makes us take our first breath and let go of the last, and it will do everything it can to maintain life because the body wants to be alive and a disease state is where some type of obstruction is keeping the body from doing its thing and symptoms are the alarm system. The role of an herbalist or at least a clinical herbalist like myself is to match a natural therapeutic remedy to a person that will remove the obstruction, encourage that life force in its work, and balance the general constitution or tissue state to enable the body to do its own thing. And by removing the obstruction, I don't mean removing the disease. Diseases as we see them in the US are a name given to a collective of symptoms and signs within a body's internal environment. Herbalists don't treat the allopathic name and identity. They look for the original cause and imbalance that got in the way, which led to the disease. It's a much deeper look than what we're often encouraged to explore, at least in our country. In a very simple way, it would be reminiscent of a person teaching someone to fish rather than giving them a fish. If you forcibly remove a symptom, the body has learned nothing about how to overcome the disease state and it will usually return. But if you give the body the nourishment and correct chemical properties that it recognizes as living, because plants are living things, they grow, eat, excrete, and die, it will balance itself and heal. Medicine has its place. Allopathy and surgery and heroic medicine have their place, but it's not ideal because it doesn't get to the root issue and it's more likely to create dependence than true healing. My personal perspective is that the way we view herbs as a culture is too similar to the way we view medicine. We're so used to seeing medicine as a way to just get over symptoms and feel better. So we look at the end result of the herbs and think it's not really any different, but it is. And the sooner we address imbalances, 
the more mild the adjustments that are needed in order to lead to that healing. So if you notice something is off, the easiest way to address it is in your lifestyle. What you eat, what you drink, how you sleep, how you work, play, move your body. And if that isn't enough, then adding specifically chosen herbs are a wonderful next step. And if you wait until your body's really struggling, you may need medicine or the help of a medical doctor. Even though there is no licensing in the United States for herbalists, there is one group that offers an affiliation relationship that requires a high enough standard that people within their group are recognized as being very professional and good at what they do, and that is the American Herbalist Guild. The American Herbalist Guild was actually recently recognized in a medical journal for their mission credentialing process and modeling of professional expectations within herbalism. So you know when you hire an herbalist who is registered by the AHG that you're getting what you paid for. The AHG was formed in 1989 by Michael Tierra, Christopher Hobbs, David Winston, David Hoffman, and a number of other herbalists to promote the professional work of clinical herbalists and to help promote access to quality herbal care. So in order to qualify to be registered, you have to meet these expectations. One, you have to have 800 hours of education within several branches of health that they designate. You have to have 400 hours of clinical experience that's working directly with clients. You have to have seen 80 clients within the previous two years. You have to have 150 herbs that you are familiar with using on a regular basis with your clients. You have to have three case studies from your practice that have two or more follow-ups, two letters of recommendation from herbal colleagues, three healthcare providers within your referral network, 10 textbooks that you refer to as needed, and then every two years after you've become registered, you have to have 20 continuing education units. So that means that you're definitely going to feel confident about hiring a registered herbalist because you know they've met these expectations. But you don't have to be a registered herbalist in order to be a good quality herbalist that works with people. So I do want to emphasize the fact that there are many traditional herbalists who prefer to stay outside of any large organization and be able to continue practicing in a more traditional way. And that's okay because there, again, there is no mandatory process for um, practicing a certain way within the United States. Going back to the beginning, I just want to point out that um, if you are looking for an herbalist, then the basic thing that you want to look for is Is this person someone who I know personally, maybe in my family or a friend or someone at my church or school that has experience that I can learn from? Maybe they can help me or maybe I need to go see a clinical herbalist who can really take the time to understand my situation and give me personal advice. Or maybe you want to become an herbalist yourself and you're trying to figure out which branch of herbalism is best suited to you. So if you need assistance with this, I would be happy to talk with you about your options, help direct you to resources that I would be familiar with. 
Checking out podcasts is a great way to learn about different ways that people practice. Um, and of course, it's going to be very custom to different people. But those three primary ways are really what you're looking for, the clinical herbalist, the community herbalist, and the home herbalist. And those names are not given to them based on any education they've received or licensing or registration. It simply defines how they practice in their community. So I hope this has cleared up some questions that you may have had about what herbalism is and how they practice. And again, if you still have questions, you can reach out to me at laureltreewellness at gmail.com. If you're interested in working with me as an herbalist for your needs, then you can visit laureltreewellnessllc.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, I would definitely appreciate it if you left a rating and a review. I love hearing back from you guys and how this podcast has blessed you. I appreciate each one of you being here and listening and taking the time out of your day. And I hope that you have a wonderful week and we will be back here again next week with another podcast for you. See you later. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You are responsible for any and all medical and health decisions you choose to make. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening.